Blog Talk Radio. Kingway fucks beer, lockers acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex that, Q has had enough of that, Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are God, I love that song. It puts me in such a good mood. It makes me feel like Trek talking, which coincidentally is the name of this podcast. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and we've got a great show playing for you guys. It is currently 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is Thursday night. That means we're live, so give us a call at 646-668-2433 if you'd like to join the conversation or just say hi. We'd love to hear from you. We have a great show planned for you guys tonight, but before we dive into that, I want to introduce my Trexperts. We'll start off first with Eric. Eric's out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing great. It's another beautiful day in Portland, just a little windy, a little rainy. Uh, I am in a great mood this week because not only have I seen great Star Trek, but I finally saw, divisive as it might be, the movie Dune. And as a huge Frank Herbert fan, it blew my mind. I loved it. So I'm feeling good this week. Excellent. Excellent. I, I saw Dune too. It didn't blow my mind. But, hey, whatever. And we also have with us Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. I didn't get to see Dune yet. I want to. But I am because I did see the first episode of the latest season of Doctor Who. And, boy, this is going to be an interesting season. So much going on for us sci-fi geeks out there. So, guys, we want to start off by saying thank you because we have 47,248 downloads as of tonight. We couldn't do that without you guys, so thank you very much. You can head over to blogtalkradio.com backslash trektalking, and you can listen to any one of our shows for the past decade they're all there so thank you so much you can also head over to facebook at facebook.com backslash truck talking and beyond spell that all out we have 72,055 followers wow just incredible the support that we get from you guys i also want to let you guys know that on halloween night charles and i did a special podcast where we simulcast Charlie Brown's It's the Great Pumpkin. And then we played some classic Halloween music for you guys. We hung out here for a couple hours. We had a great time. But we gave away a copy of Star Trek Discovery Season 3 on DVD. And I just wanted to say congratulations to Jared Brown. He called in from Oklahoma on Halloween night, and he won himself a copy of Star Trek Discovery Season 3 on DVD. Congratulations to Jared. So... What are we going to be talking about tonight? Well, we have a really great show planned for you guys. 
First and foremost, we're going to be talking about the Star Trek Prodigy pilot, Lost and Found. It was actually episode one and episode two. They put them together to make a double-length episode. And we're going to be diving right in and talking about that. That was actually last week's episode, so I don't think we're spoiling too much uh, for fans because I think they've probably already seen that, but uh, we'll play the black alert and warn you guys anyway, so you definitely want to hang out for that. But we also have going to be having with us Dan Reynolds. He's a Star Trek fan, film writer, producer, and director of the Federation Files. And in particular, we're going to be talking about the latest episode, Doppelganger. So you guys definitely don't want to miss that. He's going to be along in about a half an hour or so. So stay tuned for that. We also have Star Trek birthdays, fan shout-outs, convention calendar, calendar, calendar. <laughs> and we have news on Star Trek 4 and Strange New World. So we have a lot of Trek talking to do tonight. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. If you'd like to join the conversation about any of the awesomeness that I just mentioned or just call and say hello, by all means, please do that. So we always start off our show with our fan shout outs. If you'd like to be mentioned in a fan shout out, head over to our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. You'll see the Live Long and Prosper symbol at the top. Just tell us where you're listening from. Every week, I pick 15 lucky, 18 lucky listeners. If you see a heart next to your name from Trek Talking, that means yours truly, Uncle Jim, has picked your name, and you're going to be mentioned personally on a future fan shout-out. So, Eric, let's get the fan shout-outs rolling. Oh, man, they are from all over the world today, uh, Jim. First, we're starting out with Kashiko Kadir. Hello, and thank you. All the way from Singapore. Woo! Way down at the southern tip of Malaysia there. Uh, that is awesome. Thank you for listening. All the way from Singapore, Kashiko. We really appreciate it. We're saying hello to top fan Christian Gianu from Romania. Romania. Dude, that's right on the Black Sea. Um, I don't can't remember another Romanian listener. Maybe we've had one, but Christian, you may be part of a small elite in your country. Let's grow it. Let's grow it. Thank you for listening. <laughs> hello also Absolutely. this week to yes, hello also this week to Ayal Rahav, all the way from Israel there. That is awesome. Thank you, Ayal, for listening to us. We're also saying hello and sending out a big thank you to Iqwanul Halim. From Bandung, Indonesia. That's right. We've got, uh, you know, another listener from Indonesia. We've had a few in the past. We've had some uh, folks from the Philippines listen from that part of the world. So thank you so much for continuing that tradition, Iguanul. We're also saying hello and thank you to Gabriel Augusto Felix Lorenco from Mem Martins in Portugal. Uh, Portugal is one of those places that I really want to go. Uh, one day, it's um, I've been to Spain, uh, and Spain is amazing. And this particular place is right, right there on kind of like the Atlantic Ocean. Um, so it looks really beautiful. Love to go there. And a uh, final on my list is we're saying hello and thank you so much to Alice Kronjakan from Slovenia. I think maybe the first listener we've mentioned from Slovenia. Um, if you don't know where that is, that's right between Italy and Croatia there on the Black Sea, or excuse me, on the Red Sea. Adriatic Sea, I can't get my seas correct. <laughs> so thank you so much, Alice, for listening to us from Slovenia. Charles, who's on your list this week? Well, let's start with Paula Fribbins from South Australia. 
Good day, mate. Yeah, there uh, and there in Australia. Annie Evans from Midwells, UK. Davis from Desmond, Iowa. Mickey Miner from Arizona, USA. Alex, oh, Mickey, yeah, you've got the big championship race and big championship race in NASCAR this weekend in your home state. Alex Fernandez from Colombia. And Gia Baton from Belgium. Sounds like a big mix of listeners. Can you top that, Jim? Well, I'm going to give it the best shot. Uh, So we'd like to say thank you and hello to Tammy Crash McQueen from Anchorage, Alaska. Top fan Ivan Santiago from New York City. Represent, Ivan, represent. We'd like to say thank you to Sharon Burton from Lancashire, UK. Anita Nielsen from Sweden. And Mookie 61 from Hamilton, Scotland, where my grandmother, well, my grandmother doesn't come from Hamilton, but she's from Scotland. And last but definitely not least, we'd like to say thank you to Corey Williams, who's listening all the way down in Philadelphia. So that's our fan shout outs for today. And now we're going to dive into our birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. And we always start out our birthdays remembering those members of our Star Trek family who are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, our first remembrance uh, for a member of our Star Trek family who would have had a birthday this week goes out to Jack Donner. Uh, He is the actor who played the character of Tal in TOS's episode, The Enterprise Incident. Uh, Most people remember that episode, of course, for the uh, female Romulan commander, but Tal, of course, was a big part of that Romulan entourage there as well, played by Jack Donner, who would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Jack. We're also saying uh, happy birthday and sending our remembrances out to Ben Gage. He played the character of a car in TOS's episode, Friday's Child. So happy birthday uh, to Ben Gage. Happy birthday also to David Ogden Steers, who played the character Timison uh, in TNG's episode, Half-Life. You'll remember that one. Uh, That is the episode where Waxana Troy is completely and utterly smitten uh, with a male Kalon uh, who comes on the ship. Uh, they fall deeply in love very quickly, and ultimately, uh, spoiler alert, it ends in heartbreak. Uh, great, great acting by David Ogden Steers in that one. So happy birthday to him. We're also so I think happy- most people might recognize him from a role that he made famous on television, of course, on that. Uh, yes, 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 that is. Uh, uh, do you guys one. remember it? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yep. Okay, go for it, Eric. What's his full name? Uh, on MASH? On MASH. Uh, his entire name on MASH. Uh, I don't know if I know his entire name on MASH. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's a trick question. Go for it, Charles. I know you know it. <laughs> He's the doctor, right. but I don't know his full name. Yeah, no. <laughs> 
Charles Emerson Winchester the third. There we go. The third. Yep. The third. Yep. Got to get the third in there. (laughs) Doctor the third was all I could remember off the top of my head. (laughs) Yep. Charles for saving the day. Um, Well, yeah. So great actor in Mash, great actor in Star Trek. So happy birthday uh, to David. Uh, we're also saying happy birthday and sending out our love and remembrances to Warren Stevens, who played the character of Rohan in TOS's episode By Any Other Name. Uh, and he's kind of a minor character in that episode, but uh, a good episode of the original series for sure. So happy birthday to, uh, to Warren. We're also saying happy birthday to Michael Zaslow, who played Darnell in TOS's episode The Man Trap, and also Ensign Jordan in I Mud, uh, a blue shirt. Uh, in a couple of different episodes of the original series. So uh, that's super cool. Happy birthday, Michael. Uh, Great job there. We're saying happy birthday this week to Ian Wolfe, who played Septimus in TOS's Bread and Circuses. And he also played Mr. Ataz in All Our Yesterdays, two very excellent uh, episodes. Uh, He was an old man at that time in the 60s, I'll say, an aged man in his 60s, 70s. Uh, and was kind of, um, I don't know, just had like a presence, a real presence on screen uh, in those episodes. So happy birthday uh, to Ian. We're also saying happy birthday to Ray Walston. Uh, Now this one is somebody who uh, is really special, I think, especially if you're a TNG fan. Uh, Ray Walston, very famous actor, but in the Star Trek world, he is most famous for portraying the character of Boothby uh, from TNG. He was in many, many episodes, um, First Duty. He was on DS9 in a couple of episodes. He was in the movies. Um, I looked him up a little bit because I was really curious about the character of Boothby. And I, you know, supposedly he was supposed to be born uh, like around the 2260s, which means that by the time Picard is talking to him on TNG and you kind of learn who he is for the first time, Boothby is already 100 years old, <laughs> and he's only getting older from there. <laughs> so he uh, has been around a long time. <laughs> well, he even he even shows up yes. in Janeway's autobiography also. He is in a very important, as he is with many of our captains, a very important part of their development and helping them kind of find who they really are. So um, portrayed by Ray Walston, a great actor and a very, very special character in TNG. So happy birthday, Ray Walston. Um, But uh, that is not the end of our list. We have one more left on our list, and this one's a big one, too. Uh, We're saying happy birthday this week to actor William Campbell. Uh, we first kind of learned of him back in the TOS days. Uh, he played Trelane in the Squire of Gothos, which I just love that character. You know, uh, he's the the proto Q, right? The one who is full of nothing but shenanigans. Um, you sort of learn at the end there that he's actually a child, so that's a little bit different from a Q, but uh, but a great character. But not to be outdone, he continues on in TOS and then into DS9 playing uh, one of the big three Klingons, uh, Koloth, uh, in TOS's episode Trouble with Tribbles and DS9 Blood Oath. Uh, of course, one of the uh, one of the big three Korke and Koloth. So, happy birthday to William Campbell. That's a big one, Jim. I can't believe uh, it must it must have been because it was a remembrance that I got to talk about William Campbell today. Yes, but I do have a Klingon on my list, so that's cool. Well, that is excellent. So that does it for uh, those who have gone before us who would have had birthdays this week. Charles, 
who is still with us who has a birthday this week? Well, let's start off with Erica Flores, who played Melissa Flores in TNG's Disaster. Scott Jett played the administrator in TNG's Inner Light, Lieutenant Commander and Lieutenant Commander Caveat in Boys Caretaker, Episode 1. Henrietta Ivans played Maggie in Boys, Fairhaven, and Spirit Folk. Barbara Bassoon played Roanna, DS9's revival, uh, rival. Helen Beauty played Kel in DS9's Rules of Acquisition. Jasmine Anthony played Tala in Enterprises. These are the, vo- these are the voyages. <clears throat> and one of our most recent birthdays and Minor characters, but interesting character. Kessler Duhan. And you're like, who? Played Peanut Hamper. <laughs> and Lower Deck. Wait, who's Peanut Hamper, Charles? Oh, I'm trying to remember the exact name. But Peanut Hamper was one of the... Exo-cops. Exo-cops. Yeah. From yep. TNG... And there was discussion about them having some independent Sent- thought. Sentience, that's right. And sentience, and they act. That's this is this is this is where they went and said yes, they were sentient beings, and they got to be part of the Federation. Not wild. I love it. Doesn't have to look like us with a face and soft flesh, right? Exactly. And with lower decks, they can do almost anything. Mm-hmm. And then get away with a lot, so <laughs> in many ways. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Jim. What about your birthday? Well, I've got some interesting ones. First off, we have Winona Ryder, um, who played Amanda Grayson in Star Trek 2009, Spock's adopted mother in the Kelvin universe. Um, but she's been in Alien Three. She's currently on Stranger Things. Uh, Winona Ryder's been in a lot. So happy birthday to Winona Ryder. We'd like to say happy birthday to Michael John Anderson, who played Rumpelstiltskin in DS9's episode, If Wishes Were Horses. Happy birthday to Karen Hensel, who played Admiral Brackett in the TNG episode, Unification Part 1, and Dila in DS9's Cardassians. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Keegan DeLancey, Delancey. Why does hmm. that name sound familiar? Hmm. Well, because Keegan is John Delancey's son, and John Delancey played Q, and his son Keegan Delancey played Q Jr. in Boys episode Q2. So happy birthday hmm. to Keegan Delancey. Um, Robert Foxworth, here's one of these admirals we love to hate. He <laughs> so Admiral Layton in DS9's Homefront. And Paradise Lost, another Admiral's Gone Bad. <laughs> you know, that should be a TV show, Admiral's Gone Bad. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yep, yep. Wow. But, um, that, but, but that's, not, 
That's right. Go ahead. He did. He didn't stop there. No, not only was he an evil admiral, <laughs> he's an evil stalagmite too. This guy was evil right across the pike. Uh, he appears also as administrator of Lost and Enterprise, The Forge, The Awakening, and Kirshara. He he was one of the the uh, uh, they're not stalagmites. Well, he's, the he's the high no he's the head of the Vulcan High Command, but he's the one who's hunting down the Cyrenites. That, and he orders the Vulcans to attack the Enterprise. That's right. Evil, evil dude. And, uh, and I he guess clearly, like, does not have the control of a logical Vulcan. Like, he, throughout that episode, is making very obviously, like, emotional decisions. And everybody's kind of giving him the side eye, like, hmm, should we go along with this? And it's really a cool episode, those, those series of episodes, because you watch the other Vulcans watching him, and you're like, why aren't they doing anything? Anyway, I digress, but yeah, great role. Enterprise got so good before they canceled it. You know, they had all these great episodes, and then they canceled it. I, and that's just one example. Those those three episodes are outstanding. And finally, I have a Klingon. Yes, I do. And mm-hmm. uh, we'd like to say happy birthday and kapla to Gabriel Union, who played Nagarin in DS9's episode Sons and Daughters. A great episode, actually. And I guess I guess she's a famous person, I guess. She's on some big TV show. I don't know. Um, uh, could be. I'm not sure. Um, but I will just mention, I digress really quickly, and Garen is one of my favorite uh, Star Trek Attack Wing cards. Uh, it's the same card as Drex, and it's for an action. You get to convert one of your battle stations into a crit and the rest of your battle stations into hits. It is a sweet, sweet card. And, of course, uh, she is right there on the cover of the card. Yeah, she's awesome. So happy birthday to Gabriella Union. And now it's time for Convention Corner, 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 Corner. Yes, that's our new Convention Corner theme song. So we'd like to start off with Akron Comic-Con 2021, November 6th and 7th, and Emido and Sons Banquet Center in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, Rhode Island Comic-Con, November 5th, 6th, and 7th, Dunkin' Donuts Center and Rhode Island Convention Center in Providence, Rhode Island. I've been there many times. Great convention. Rocky Mountain Con, November 6th and 7th. Embassy Suites by Hilton in Denver Stapleton in Denver, Colorado. Empire Comic Fest 2021, November 13th. And Lewis S. Walt, JCC of Greater Rochester in Rochester, New York. And finally on my list, Kids Con New England, Portland, November 13th, 2021 at the Double Tree by Hilton in Portland. South Portland, Maine. Eric, who's on your list? We've also got Destination Star Trek London, November 12th through the 14th, 2021, at the Excel Convention Center, uh, Royal Victoria Dock in London, England. We're tracking the QuadCon Madison, November 13th through the 14th at East Town Mall in Madison, not too far from my hometown in Northwest Illinois. Super Megafest, Megafest, November 19th through 21st at the Sheridan Framingham in Framingham, Mass. The Bayou City Comic Con, Bayou City, November 19th through the 21st at the Weston Galleria Houston in Houston, Texas. 
And last on my list, the London Film and Comic Con, November 19th through the 21st in Olympia, London. Charles. Now, I will make one correction on Eric's comment when he said that the quad quadcom was in Illinois. It's in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, I said not too far from my hometown in northwest Illinois. Madison is about an hour okay. and a half north of where Thought I grew up. Thought you said Illinois in there. <laughs> okay, we got Philcon, November 19th to 21st, the Crown Plaza, Philadelphia, Cherry Hill, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, Grand Strand Comic Con, November 20th and 21st, Myrtle Beach Mall, Myrtle Beach, Southern South Carolina, Saratoga Comic Con, November 20th and 21st, Saratoga Springs City Center, Saratoga Springs, New York, Starbase Indy, November 26th and 28th, Marriott, Marriott, East Indianapolis, Indianapolis, Indiana, <clears throat> and L.A. Comic Con, December 3rd through 5th, Los Angeles Convention Center, Los Angeles, California, where there's probably a good chance I will be at that convention probably at least half a day at the second floor. And that, my friends, is our convention calendar, 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 calendar. And if you'd like to have your convention mentioned, your convention mentioned on convention calendar, uh, just head over to our Facebook page and uh, shoot us the information, and we will definitely get you listed on convention calendar. I hope you guys are enjoying convention calendar and our Star Trek birthdays and our remembrances, because I, I enjoy going back and remembering, revisiting those old episodes and remembering those actors. I think it's a lot of fun to go back and uh, it's also great to get the conventions out to everybody. So we're going to take our first commercial break of the evening. So quick run to the microwave, get those chicken wings, get those pizza bites, whatever, get them in the microwave and hurry right back. Because when we do come back, we're going to have Dan Reynolds with us and hopefully we're going to have Dan Reynolds with us. And uh, we're going to be talking about doppelgangers, Star Trek fan films from the Federation files. You definitely don't want to miss that. Run, don't walk to the bathroom. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after this very quick but very awesome commercial message. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking. Boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back. And uh, let me see. We should have Dan Reynolds with us. Dan, how you doing tonight? Dan? Are you there? Dan, can you hear us? Okay. I guess we don't have Dan. All right. Dan? Why, why, I'm, having, I'm having some technical difficulties here. Dan, can you hear us? Okay. Yes. There he is. Can you hear me? We got him. Yeah. 
So uh, we have with us oh Dan Reynolds, and uh, he's a fan film writer, producer, and director, and he's currently working on the Federation Files, in particular Doppelganger. And uh, right now I have for you guys a little a little treat. Um, I was able to go on YouTube and find the teaser trailer for Doppelganger, and I'm going to play that for you guys right now so that you have a good idea of the kind of work that um, that Dan does. So this is this is it. This is the Federation Files doppelganger. In the universe, there is evil, unnoticed evil. One crime threatens morality. No one is safe. No one is being warned, and it's spreading. In deep space, there are no laws, and no one can stop you. But one man and his crew are on a mission. A mission to stop pure evil. And the USS Hood is the universe's only hope. Coming soon. The Federation Files. Doppelganger. So there you have it. That's the Doppelganger trailer. Um for the Federation files. And I had a, I had an opportunity. I, I guess this is what the fourth or fifth in the series, Dan. 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 Looks like we lost Dan again, guys. Oh no. So, uh, he, he, yeah. He, <laughs> well, he, wow. well, I believe Jim that this is actually uh, listed on their website. This is the ninth, listed episode of the Federation Files. Um, yeah, so this one, they, it looks like they have been doing these things since about uh, 2019, so uh, they've been cranking them out. You know, nine in two years or so is pretty pretty aggressive. And this one just came out in July. Yeah, I uh, I actually enjoyed this one. I was, it was a really clever idea. Um, should should we play the black alert? Yeah. Are we? You, you yeah, think we these should are, because we, if you haven't seen it, you should be warned. Yeah, we don't want we don't want to ruin anything for anybody. So, because we we are going to be talking about it. Let me find our our warning. Here we go. Black alert, y'all! We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. It- yeah. So I I really like the idea of the transporter tracer clones. I thought that was mm. a great idea. It was kind of yeah. what Scotty did in the Relics episode a little bit, or Boimler in, in Lower Decks, or maybe Riker and Will and Thomas Riker. On TNG. Riker yeah. it, was, it was a really clever idea, and I was like, wow, that's a great idea. Why didn't they think of that on Star Trek? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, and it's it is interesting. I mean, they, they kind of limit it a little bit in the fan film. They say that it's a one-to-one relationship. So, for example, they can't take the, bio, the – in, in this film, they say it's the biosignature. It's all based on the biosignature, and they're duplicating the biosignature. So what they can't do is they can't take one person's biosignature and make ten copies. So they can – in this movie, they can only make one-for-one copies of um, – of people, and that's how they create a cloned workforce. 
Right. And I think I think do we have you back, Dan? Can you hear us? Yes. Okay. Technical, hey, technical <laughs> yeah. difficulties. So uh we're talking about Doppelganger. I just played the, the trailer for everybody okay. to listen to. Our phone number here is six four six 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 eight two four three three. If you have a question for Dan or a comment, please give us a call and we'll get you right on. Six four six 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 eight two four three three. We're talking with Dan Reynolds. Federation Files, the doppelganger. So, Dan, where did you get the idea for the um, the, the cloning of the transporter? Well, you know, it it uh, it's a simple idea, and the the transporter has always fascinated me. You know, to to scramble your molecules from one location and and send it somewhere else. Um, and when I came up with the idea, I thought, well, surely someone's already written this or or made an episode or whatever. Uh, and it's an intriguing idea to be able to steal technology and duplicate it and, I guess, make a profit. And it just so happens that the, the villain in this story did it for nefarious reasons. And, uh, you know, if you watch the episode, you find out what happens. But, yeah, we had fun doing this one. Um, this is actually my first writing in um, – uh, for the Federation Files, my partner Glenn is a prolific writer. He can write a script in in hours. Uh, and so I gave him, and he wanted me to write because you know he he does a lot of the um, a lot of the upfront stuff, and I do all of the you know the late night hours doing all of the editing and special effects and and that kind of thing. So he wanted to involve me, so I, I came up with the idea and gave him a, a like a, a a bullet outline of what I thought, who the characters were, uh, what the story would be about, and and uh, some of the conflicts uh, between the characters. And uh, he took it and wrote some initial uh, scene dialogue. And then I took that and we both worked on, uh, you know, fleshing out the characters and, you know, trying to make them a little bigger and a little um, – uh, more interesting so that that's kind of how it all started uh and actually that project we we've had so many different episodes that we work we we were working on we had we were working on four separate uh federation files episodes during that time so the doppelganger kept getting pushed back it kept getting pushed back so this is kind of a a a um a, a a finale for a three-year project. Wow. I got to tell you, I love your captain. I think he's great. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. That's, um, uh, that's Rick Viper. Uh, of course, that's not his real name. That's his stage name. But, but he, does, he does a lot of um, acting in and around uh, Oklahoma and um, uh, Arkansas. And uh, he's great to work for. He's just so easygoing. And it's, you, you know, you tell him what you want, and he'll do it one way. And he says, you want to do it another way? And, and you know, we just, it, they're great com- camaraderie. He's been on a couple of our episodes before. So we, we, we gave him the captain's chair in this one. You know, there's one scene in, the I think, the first three to five minutes where um, the, the, I believe it's the first officer, the science officer, is talking about this dwarf star 
And the helmsman mm-hmm. says, it looks familiar. And she says, well, it's yeah. 15 degrees off the axis. And yeah. everybody tilts their head to the side. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's so funny the way they, the yeah. way it, it's, it's great. It's well, a great game. We're gag. proud of that. that. Yeah, we we love to put those things in if we can, you know, if we're smart enough to to think of them. And you know, a lot of the, a, a lot. Glenn and I have been working together for five years, and he even moved to Arkansas from Chicago just just so he could play Star Trek. And um, uh, we we really feed off of each other extremely well, and no, never arguing, never. You know, we respect each other to a level that, you know, he could do no wrong to me. And, and I guess, well, I've tried to do wrong to him, but, but it doesn't work. So, but, you know, we love to get together and, and come up with quirky things. Not, not so much in a way that's going to insult people's intelligence comically, you know, but in a way that's extremely subtle that hopefully people will get it. And that's 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 a that's a good example of, of what you just told us. Well, actually, to, to tell you the truth, the first time I watched it, I only saw the helmsman tilt her head, and then she says, when she looks back up, she kind of says, "Yeah, you're right." What I didn't notice because the timing was so perfect, it was it was mm-hmm. it was great. When I went back to watch it a second time to get some notes for the podcast, I noticed yeah. that. Everybody did it. It wasn't just yeah. her. And it yeah. was just like, it was such a subtle, and they all did it at simultaneously that it would be easy to miss the rest of the crew doing it, but they all did it. It was perfect. Yeah. I, I was, la- it was, it reminded me of like something you might see in Star Trek four, you know, something yeah. subtle, yeah, something yeah. that fits the situation that was just mm-hmm. funny. And, and I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> It was well, well thanks done. for mentioning Congratulations. that. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and um, the, the episode itself I found it to be very enjoyable. Where Now, where did you guys film? Good. What sets did you use? Where where, where did you film? Uh, we, we filmed um, – I have a, a, a TV station uh, here in, in where I live, and I have – I had bought uh, at an auction – a hundred-year-old school, and they have tall ceiling, tall ceilings, and huge rooms. And so I took out three or four walls, and we put the bridge there. So we have the bridge uh, in one section of the building, and then in the basement we have the interior of the shuttlecraft. And I don't, I don't think that was in this episode, but, but, uh, and then we used a local bank. For uh, the beam in from uh, Andor, um, I'm trying to think of some other places we shot. Uh, but we we uh, uh, the briefing room, the corridor, the transporter room is all uh, at Glenn's location. He has a studio there, and it's quite a bit larger than mine. So um, it, it looked it looked yeah. really impressive. It looked really really good. Yeah. Well, that those sets have a lot of history. Uh, those were the original sets um, that I'm trying to think of the company back in the 90s that did Star Trek, one of the first fan films before James Cawley. Um, 
and it I'm, it ex, escapes me now. But they were down in Houston. They had a full, um, they had a three-quarter bridge set, and then that set was in storage, and then it was moved up to Oklahoma to Starbase Studios, and then they they had lost their lease, and Glenn and I came in and purchased the bridge, and then uh, the other sets were moved to. Um, uh, over in Dogpatch, Arkansas, they had some buildings over there that we used for a while, um, and then those sets were were abandoned uh, because no rent was paid by the previous or the part some of the owners. So we had to go in and rescue those, and, and there are some um, original. Um, there's some original um, set pieces here from Ticonderoga, uh, from James' first build um, from up in that that area. So we, we have a mix-match um, bit of history here in our studio, and um, uh, it's, 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 quite, it's quite interesting. And, and, mo- and all of this was, was done from the original plans uh, from the Stage 9 at, at Desilu. And I, I know I live up in Vermont, so I go up to Trek on the road yeah. all the time to yeah. uh, the original series set tours. And that's why I asked, because well, the, yours, yours look yeah, just yeah. as good as what I see up in Ticonderoga. Yeah, some of those, the, the original sets uh, that James and his dad built uh, were in, uh, I don't know if you how far back you go with that history, but they they were shooting some of their first episodes in an i think an old car lot building yeah and they had yep. some of the sets in the, in the in the attic and no air conditioning and all some of those consoles are here and then some wow. of the other consoles just... are 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 from the uh the uh, Houston um uh the the Houston sets and then we have a full 360 bridge that's in restoration um in my other television studio at another location. Wow. And uh, I also, before I wanted to ask you, I, I really liked the music in this episode. Who who wrote in the music? That music um, is from the original series. Oh, okay. That's why it sounded so familiar. Yeah. <laughs> that that explains it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Uh, I like I like to use the original music from the original series only because uh, that's the era we're in, and uh, and we like to at least try to get as close to possible the feel of of the episodes that we do. So, well, there there you have it, Eric. Do you have any questions for Dan about Doppelganger? Sure. Yeah. Hey, Dan, thanks for joining us. Um, I really, as My Jim pleasure. said, I really enjoyed uh, this movie. I, well, were, I'm, I'm thrilled you guys liked it. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you specifically some of the things that uh, I liked. Um, I think from a, like, a, a pacing standpoint over the entire mm-hmm. thing, it felt really authentic to me because uh, – authentic oh, meaning like TOS because mm-hmm. – um, pauses were taken time was taken uh it had a non-frenetic pace i'll say which you know some star trek 
can have a, a very vigorous pace to it. And so I just appreciated the like extra quarter second on some of the editing of, of some of the scenes and that kind of stuff. Um, it just really kind of helps smooth it all out. Well, I, I appreciate, I, I do appreciate that. I appreciate that comment. I, I've, I've been editing for a long time in, in the TV industry, but it's, I, I don't know that there's a hard and fast rule other than how it feels. There are times when I do add or subtract from the from a you know a nanosecond or whatever because it just doesn't feel right. But I'm glad you noticed that and it it validates what I do. You know it, it's it's tough for us because we we look at it every day and we don't know how the audience will perceive it or receive it in a good or a bad way. And we're always always open to good comments and bad comments. So I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, yeah, yeah. Thanks for even doing this kind of thing because we love to talk about fan films. <laughs> um, you know, people people come in and they look at look at the sets and they go, "Wow, how much did this cost? And yeah. how much time did you put in it?" I say, "This is my golf game. Yeah, I just throw money <laughs> at it. Whatever money we have, if we if we need something new, then we save up, get our piggy banks out, and break it, then go go get it. It's just a passion." Uh, there's no there's no payoff in this other than uh, making uh, making people happy and and hopefully they appreciate what they see. Well, you know I, what, I Dan? It just yeah. sounds like a podcast because it does, we yeah. do this for passion too. And oh yeah. No payoff either, so yeah. I, I completely yeah. understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for people. Sure. Yeah, people look. Uh, people that you know, I've I've brought some city city leaders in, and and they look at it dumbfounded, like, what's the payoff here? What is what's this all about? You know, uh, but I'm proud of it, and I'm a geek just like everybody else in in some respects. So I, I relate with you guys tremendously. Well, that's fantastic, that's cool. and uh, we love to hear the passion uh, of people who are actually doing this kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, yeah. I'll also. Uh, ask you about uh the space station here that they come up against uh the design of this thing is so cool i really like it can oh, you talk just a little bit well, about like oh, how yeah. it like yeah. where it came from and the origins of that well um i built that uh in a in a cg program and there's probably 20 or 30 different models mashed together in yeah. there uh there's even the the uh, spaceship from um uh, the new disney you know my mind's kind oh of, the world of tomorrow or no what, the, uh, the not tomorrow um, tomorrow land um with the baby uh the, the baby alien oh and the, and the yes uh, yeah i'm not Incredible? i'm not into that, that one no it's a tv series it's not a oh, movie okay. it's a tv series Anyway, there, if you look really hard, you'll see a lot of different models. From there's there's the space shuttle, a NASA space shuttle in that. I saw that. Uh, yeah, uh, and there's one right next to it from that TV series I was I was mentioning. I I've Mandalorian. That's oh, it. there we go. Mandal- oh, the Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. is the Raven but, in or the Raven? Uh, what is it? Yeah. The Razor Crest in there? Oh my gosh. Yeah, the Razor Crest. That's it. Yes, the Razor Crest. <laughs> it's it's in there. I didn't notice that. I'll have to go back and look again. Uh, and then I t- I took some uh, storage uh, some um, oh some uh, storage containers and morphed them a little bit, stretched them out, and and put them in for for where um, 
Bonner Hayes was going to put his duplicates. Uh, so those mm-hmm. are on there. Mm-hmm. But um, thank you for that. I, I am, um, you know, I, that was a big, um, that was a big project for me because I knew what I wanted, but I didn't know. I wanted a lot of detail, but I didn't want it to be cluttered, but I didn't want it to be too, too little. So uh, that's, that's what I came up with. Well, it was appreciated, and I liked how it really played into the idea that this is a uh, a way station in the middle of nowhere, and people just bring a bunch of stuff here and kind of weld it together, and it looks like what it looks like. Yeah. Well, good. Thank you. I appreciate that. I will see Jim's He Loves the Captain as well, and I will raise him a I Love the First Officer. Uh, I, really yeah. like, I really like her character. I like the way she um, – call you know carries herself and i like the way that she commands from the chair when she's given uh command of the hood yeah yeah it's uh you know we want we want diversity like like the original series and uh genie um garner that's that's who plays the first officer um she's the same age as my sons she's close to uh she's mid-30s and uh, she did acting in, in high school and was just a very boisterous, uh, controlling the the room type of person. And I wanted her for that role. And uh, she carried it extremely well. And thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. She was fantastic. One of my one of my favorite characters. I also loved your doctor. He felt like a. Um, like a little bit of a combination of a Bones and a Phil Boyce yeah. to me. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's, you know, we wanted, you know, a, a lot of uh, Trek films um, have, uh, a lot of fan films, Trek fan films have, you know, older people in them. But, and, and I do want that. Uh, but I want it to make sense. And a doctor, an older doctor seems seem to be the perfect thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, uh, that actor is uh, actually a college professor, and uh, he does modeling on the side. It's hilarious, <laughs> uh, and and the women just love him. It's amazing. On his Facebook page, he'll he'll, he'll do a a weekend um, runway uh, modeling runway. Uh, uh, wardrobe and attire and stuff and it's just it's just a hoot he's he's having a great great large time in life right now oh that's fantastic it's good to know that there are people out there just uh living their best life you know (laughs) yeah well and i think i think that's one reason we do this because it uh my profession is video video production in the background of video production and and um when Glenn and I get together and the cast gets together and you get to learn who who's who and their background and uh, you know you you work hard 10 or 12 hours and then you go out for for lunch or supper or whatever it's just it's just a great camaraderie just all the way around we have such a great time oh that's great uh i just uh i I love to hear people having having good times together so yeah uh i want to make sure and leave plenty for charles to ask you about we have three hosts on our podcast of course so i will uh i'll ask you one more thing uh right now we you know we review a lot of fan films um from all sorts of different places and 
you know, there, as you know, there are these kind of restrictions out there that um, CBS yeah. put on these things. And so uh-huh. I was curious as to how you folks, uh, you know, had to deal with that, making a, making a fan film. Yeah. In the beginning, we were petrified. Um, you know, the, 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 the guidelines came out and we were worried that we couldn't do long format anymore or, or raise money or, or have reoccurring characters and, and all that. And now that we're, what is it? Three to four years in four to four, almost five years into this thing. Uh, you start watching other people produce fan films and you realize that the guidelines are what they are. They're guidelines. They're not hard and fast rules. They're they're rules to follow uh, in, in in situations where you don't um, uh, you don't disrespect the CBS um, trademark or, or or what they have. And I I think a lot of the the, the guidelines came out because of uh, fan films that were. You know, misappropriating money or not 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 um, having good records for where the money goes, or you know, questions like that. And our productions are we've never fan filmed. Uh, we've never fanned. Um, we we've never asked for money. So uh, I know that I think they give us a, a fifty thousand per episode if we want to raise that, and, and we would not not even raise that much, but. What what you saw in Doppelganger, and I've asked, been asked this question quite a bit, is why is it longer than 30 minutes or a two-parter? And there's been so many others, and I'm sure that you're aware of, of other films that go over that uh, mark. And we always take the chance when we uh, do something like that. And this is the first one we've done. And it's been out since July, and I haven't got gotten any feedback or 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 uh, uh, cease and desist letters from from anyone. So I think that what CBS does is they watch everything that comes out and says, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And if it's not okay, I can go back and, and you know edit it down. I don't think it would be the sure. same episode, but um, I, I just, I just hope that, that, um, all of us that are making films will be honest mm-hmm. and and respect. I think we all did in the beginning, um, but I think these these uh, guidelines were set down for those that were maybe not doing exactly what they were supposed to do. So um, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, it absolutely did, and I really appreciate you being able to talk about that because it's something that you know we've we've wondered about. And I will tell you that I personally think that the length of this is just perfect. It's like by the time I was finished with it, I had yeah. no idea that I'd been watching for forty three minutes. It just felt oh, like it just that. went right Thank by you. to me. So, oh, appreciate um, appreciate that. Like I said, I appreciated the pacing. I appreciated the you know representation many different types of people many different body types all kinds of different things they're just really great job but i gotta pass this along to charles before i say everything charles your turn buddy (laughs) well you still left me one area to work on and you mentioned all the crew but i like the interaction between the leader of the colony and the captain yeah Including the clothes, the clothes 
change up that they had in okay. their interaction with those nice. two. Nice. Okay. Okay. Because that was definitely made the captains are a little bit kind of offish, trying to stay away from people. And he yeah. was willing to get more of let me go in and be friendly with the captain. Or friendly with the right. per- person in charge. Well, and then I think when, he came... When... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, when when we wrote the, the first interaction with... Um, uh, Sheriff Kui, who's a female, and the captain coming into her office. Uh, you know, my wife Kelly, who plays Kui, she sat me down and she goes, "How do you want me to play this?" And she told me how she wanted to play it. I said, "You know, this is this is TOS. This is '60s. You know, I, I want a little sexual tension here. I want her to to uh, to." To have in her mind that she is a controlling woman, she controls the Shire, and there's new there there's a there's a new captain that's coming from the Federation, and she's going to control him. And that's kind of how we and we wanted to do it in a subtle way. We didn't want to do it, you know, over over the top, but we wanted to do it simply and 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 hopefully give the impression that. That there was some sexual tension there, you know, and the the we had completely written the script where everyone the very last or the next to the last scene where everyone was uh, in the briefing room celebrating uh, the birth of the twins, and I wrote uh, because there's so many Star Trek original series episodes that ends with the captain and the girl. And I I wrote the the last scene where the captain comes out uh, and Quee's waiting for him, and then they have some dialogue, and then they walk off, and it suggested you know whatever. So yeah, I appreciate that. That, that was um, we took a little time on developing those characters, but I, I think the actors pulled it off. A very good job of pulling it off. Definitely, I think she did a very good job playing that sheriff. I think even the point where they, he came on the second time, you think he's wearing Western wear, and it's like, yeah. that's wrong outfit. Like, <laughs> that, was not, that was a great line to throw in there, because like, oh, we got some comedy. See where they go in, because you've got, you've got a chance to really set the characters down, like a good yeah. series would. I'm definitely yeah, that was, pulling those. That, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that was fun. That was a fun scene to do. Yeah, I definitely need to go back and see some more of your work. But well, th- that's our yeah, that's our tenth episode. Um, and if you want to go back and and look at some of our stuff, you could go to thefederationfiles.com, and all of our episodes are there. Looking Excellent. forward to it. Yeah. Excellent. So, uh, Dan, are you working on anything currently that you want to let people in on? Yeah, we're working on um, a, a st- actually putting the final final touches on it. We're going to have a a um, watch party this Sunday at seven, um, and um, it is it's called No Good Deed, 
and it's a it's basically a um, um, it's about it's about 15 minutes. Uh, it's another short episode, uh, one parter, uh, and it involves um, um, Captain Kirk in the after his son died after um, in search for Spock. And he and as Savick, we have an actress that plays Savick. And then we also have um, some Vulcans that are stationed on the dark side of the moon uh, during the time of um, uh, Khan, when he he um, takes off from the Earth. And uh, it's pre- it's kind of a backstory of of uh, when Khan took off. We, there's no Khan in the in this episode, but uh, uh, that's um, that's one of the episodes we're working on. We're working on another one called Mud's Mission, and we we did a uh, story early on uh, in the Federation Files. Um, it was called um, His Name Is Mud, and we had a great actor that that portrayed him really close, and we're getting him to come back to reprise that role. And that's that's another episode we're working on, and I'm trying to write another script so. I'm just working on some of the details with that, but uh, we're we're going to be busy for for quite a while doing these. Wow, it sounds like it. It sounds like it. And uh, we have a caller on the line. Let me see if I can get the phone to work here. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hi, my name is David Whalen. I'm calling in from Portland, Oregon. David. Hey, David, what's up? Good to hear hey. from you. Yeah. Did you have a question for Dan? Um, I actually just wanted to – I just have one little quick question. Um, I'm actually currently watching the episode as you guys were talking, <laughs> and um, I noticed a little symbol on the captain's uh, cowboy coat, and I was wondering if that symbol was supposed to be from a Star Wars symbol on the, that he had on his on sleeve. The- on the captain's coat. Yeah, when they, when he went to go meet with Kui, and he, they beamed down to like some sort of uh, cowboy, like coffee oh. shop or some sort. Oh, okay. And the captain had a leather uh, fringe jacket on. Yeah, it looks like a little tiny uh, Star Wars symbol, like a Republic or something. Oh, you know, I you know what? I don't know. <laughs> You may have oh, found definitely. something that none of us none of us even noticed. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's like right on his uh, forearms on his sleeve. It's just oh, plain simple when he could, had his left could. arm on the table. <laughs> okay, well, I, you know, I will go back. You know that it's so funny. We notice things in an episode that we have no clue that's there. Uh, we're doing a uh, doing our final edit on this one that we're working on now. No good deed, and. There's a console, and all the the there's three Vulcans uh, having a having some dialogue, and we had watched this scene at least 20 times, and then Glenn says, "Oh my gosh, there's a roll of gaff tape on top of the counter, oh. <laughs> on top of the console. I mean, it was it was camera front and center, and oh. we missed it. So I had to go in there and erase it. So, oh my gosh." Those things. Are, wow. Hey, I, I will go. I will go back and and look at that. I will. It, it may be a coffee stain. You never can tell, but yeah. but uh, we'll go back and look. 
And thanks, I, I got the thanks for that question. Yeah. 58 second mark. 1758. Okay, I'll go back and look. Wow. Well, Dan, uh, I, I really appreciate you hanging out and Trek talking with us about the Federation Files doppelganger tonight. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Hey, I want to just want to tell you guys, I've, I've done several interviews, online interviews, and this is hands down the best one that I've ever been a part of. You guys know your stuff, and you take the well, time to research. And for 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 us that make these films, we're we're clueless as to to you know how people really feel about them. And I, this is I'm humbled by uh, every one of you guys. So I, I appreciate it very very much. Well, you know, Dan, we are fans just like you. And we enjoy yes. Star Trek, and we, we talk about it. And when someone comes on the show, we want to be prepared. And so, you know, that's what we do. We watch it, and we watch yeah. all the little scenes, and we look for all the little things um, so that we can make you feel welcome when you come on the show. We do that well, on purpose. Well, I <laughs> extremely feel welcome, and I, I appreciate the, 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 the hard work you guys are did uh, 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 dissecting Doppelganger and uh, – I had a great time. Really appreciate it. And we're definitely oh, we'll have to have you come back on um, when you get some future projects done. Actually, if you'd like to. Sure, absolutely. I would. I would love to. And uh, thank you very much for hanging out with us, Dan. We really appreciate it. Okay. And hey, have a great keep, night. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Good night. Bye bye. All right, guys, that was Dan Reynolds, the uh, writer, producer, director of the Federation Files. In particular, we were talking about Doppelganger. You guys can check that out on YouTube. We're going to take another quick commercial break, but don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with Star Trek News. It's been a long road, getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but your time is finally here. You can feel the change in your thoughts right now. Nothing's in your way. And they're not gonna hold you down no more. No, they're not gonna hold you down. Cause we've got faith, not your call. We wanna hear what you have to say. We've got faith to believe. In your talking today. You've got faith in your fingers. All you gotta do is now you can't reach us right now. We got faith. We got faith. Faith that you call. And we're back, and I love that song, Eric. You did a phenomenal, phenomenal job with that song, I must say. All right, guys, we just got done talking with Dan Reynolds from the Federation Files. Doppelganger, please go to YouTube and check out their stuff. I think you're really, really going to enjoy it. So now it's time for Star Trek News. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. 
All right, guys, all the stories we're about to talk about, you can find in their entirety on our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. Starting off, we'd like to say that Camilo Savillo dies from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Broadway actor. She was 71 years old. Camilo, whose many stage TV roles included the Bajoran religious leader, Kyle Paca of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the mother of the hapless turtle in the entourage, and characters in... (coughs) I'm sorry, excuse me. (coughs) Excuse me, God, what's wrong with me? Uh, where was I? Religious leader Kyle Pocket in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the mother of the hapless turtle in Entourage, and characters in Nine and Chicago on Broadway died yesterday. She was 71. Actor Wilson Cruz, who performed with Savello and many AIDS benefits over the years, tweeted, what a presence this woman was. My heart is heavy. My love for Camila's family and family of friends throughout the industry. She will be missed. A Bronx native who got her start in show business as a singer in 1970s New York rock and band Margot Lewis Explosion, Savillo made her Broadway debut as Mama Madeline in 1982 production of The Tommy Tune, directed by Musical Mind. <clears throat> her film debut came just two years after her Broadway bow when she was cast in the small part in Woody Allen's 1984 Broadway Danny Rose. She arrived with Allen for the following year for a role in The Purple Rose of Cairo, and from then on, enjoyed a prolific career in both TV and film. Kyle Paca was, was an awesome character, and she's definitely going to be missed. Charles, what do you have for us? New Paramount Chief confirms planning for multiple Star Trek films, including animated movies. The new head of Paramount Pictures is taking exclusively is talking exclusively about Star Trek for the first time, taking over the studio in September. Brian Robinson discussed the development of multiple Trek feature films, including an animated feature. Robert confirms that Prodigy will air on Nickelodeon after the first run of Paramount+. Plus. He and Kurtzman both agreed the goal of the series is to bring in new viewers who then turned to other franchise content available on Paramount Plus. Christman indicated there have already been a lot of conversations about how to better success any success pods you have. Robinson weighed in, indicating an interest in the possible animated Trek, mo- Trek movie. The data is pretty obvious. We're going to be patient because we think the show is fantastic and creativity just exceeds all expectations. I have no doubt that we'll be doing more. Alex and I have talked about what the theatrical version, film version of this show is and like of that. We're really excited. Nickelodeon animation head Ramsey, NATO, and her Nick team could not be more thrilled to explore more. Both Robinson and Kirsten pointed out the recent Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse as a model of a kind of four-quadrant family movie. They envisioned for the animated Star Trek feature film. In regards to the status of a live-action Star Trek feature film, Robinson said, we will go with the franchise next year. Theatrically is crucial for the health of the overall franchise. There's no doubt the big theatrical movies are the beacon that ignite franchises. We're in it, and I'd really 
don't think we have to do anything to say because I'm waiting for the development to be delivered. I can't wait to get going on it. But we're not there yet, but we need to get there soon. The idea is to do what we do for the franchise, going to work next for the next five to ten years, not just a movie at a time, like Hertzman's talked about. That's that's what we really have to figure out. A lot's going on, and I'm just going to leave it at that. He has reasons for urgency, as the studio has not released a Star Trek film in five years. <clears throat> but in July, Paramount did stake out June 9, 2023, for the next release. That project is expected to be based on producer J.J. Abrams and put together with WandaVision's Max Shakeman, captured direct screen direct based on a script co-written by Captain Marvel screenwriter Geneva Robertson Dorwet. So we've got and, stuff coming to theaters too, but sometimes I think some of these movies that go online have actually done well also not going to theaters. Mm-hmm. It's true, and I love the idea of an animated Star Trek movie. That just feels like that would really, like the article says, play right off of the success, the anticipated success of uh, Prodigy here. And the big thing he mentioned in that article, too, was he said they're not interested in going movie to movie, but the next five to ten years. So that sounds like they're trying to do something like they did with Star Trek 2, 3, and 4, where we're going to see more than one movie and they're going to be interconnected, whether it's through a multiverse or some way. They're not interested in just going movie, 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 but they wanted to tell a story. Kind of, I'm thinking kind of like the Avengers and the Marvel Cinematic Universe is what I'm thinking, but we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Well, plus, plus an animation. Not all of us have access to 4K, but they could definitely do a 4K on the big screen. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. And guys, we have a caller on the line. Let's see if I guess see if I can get this thing to work again here. We're having some problems with it. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hey, it's Nate from Vegas. It's Nate from Vegas. I told you that you'd be next, didn't I? <laughs> yep, you did. I, I just had for for your Star Trek news. Uh, I just had some Star Trek news to add, so I figured I'd call in and add it. Okay. What you got? It, oh, okay. I, I didn't know if you guys were done with all your Star Trek newses yet. We're not. We're between oh. articles, but you can go now if you like. Well, you you, oh, you, you right. can wait, or you can jump in now. Okay, whichever I'll, you I'll want. Jump in now, then. So. I play Star Trek Online, and I just wanted to pass out that if anybody is playing Star Trek Online and is a free-to-player, free-to-play player player right now, uh, starting today through the 6th of November, uh, their lifetime subscriptions, which are normally $300, but it's a one-time payment, $300. You don't have to pay any more. It's not a monthly subscription. Normally, those are $300, but between November 4th through the 6th, 
it will be 50% off, so $150. And then after the 6th, running until uh, December 9th, if you don't catch it at 50% off, they will still be offering it for um, $100 off, so $199 instead of $299. Um, so I just wanted to get that out there because it's the limited time of just this weekend, basically. Um, I guess the 6th is Saturday, so by Sunday morning it, it will end. Uh, let's see, it says November 6th at 8 a.m. Pacific, the 50% off will be over. So I just wanted to pass that news on out there uh, for those that may be listening that are uh, Star Trek online players and are free-to-play players currently. Awesome. Thanks, Nate. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. And, and Eric, you've got an interesting story for us, something that we talked about yeah. a couple of months ago. Yeah, it's uh, the great consolidation here. All 13 Star Trek movies available on Paramount Plus for the first time. Paramount Plus is the home to Star Trek TV universe with every episode of every series, including five Paramount original series. Uh, and now, finally, it is also the home of every single Star Trek feature film. Over the last year, Paramount Plus has been building up its library of feature films. Earlier this summer, the catalog for the USA streamer grew grew to include all but one of the Star Trek feature films. However, due to previous licensing deals, which is what we thought, all but two left uh, the service in August. Paramount Plus includes all six original series movies, all four Next Generation movies, and all three Kelvin area J.J. Abrams produced movies. Some of the Star Trek films are also available via other streaming services, including Hulu, AMC Plus, and Epics, but None have all 13. While it is possible that they're still pending exclusive licensing deals that could see some of the Trek film movies leave Paramount Plus temporarily <laughs> in the future, it appears that Viacom CBS is trying to ensure as much of its catalog is available on its own streaming service. Over the summer, Paramount announced that they were developing a new 4K version of the director's edition of Star Trek The Motion Picture which will debut exclusively on Paramount Plus in 2022. Paramount's new chief has also recently confirmed that the studio is developing plans for multiple Star Trek feature films, as uh, Charles just let us know. And currently, Paramount is generally making major theatrical releases available on Paramount Plus within 45 days of release. The studio is also committed to developing more exclusive films for Paramount Plus, which could include potential future Star Trek movies. So... Uh, you know, I, for one, like having it all in one place. I'm just kind of that sort of guy. I like to be nicely organized. And, uh, and so it is nice, at least for the moment, to have everything in one place. But uh, yep. it sounds like that's not necessarily always going to be the case. I don't know. The article clearly doesn't know whether there are still any of these uh, licensing deals still out there or not. Uh, so we'll have to see. But for right now, it's finally all in one place. Just the way it should be. Yep. So Jim, and I'm going to wrap up. I'm yeah. going to wrap up our Star Trek news for you guys before we dive into Prodigy. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about with Prodigy. Uh, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds planning production for season two. Season two, we haven't even seen season one yet, and we're already talking season two. 
That's just awesome. According to the latest update from industry newsletter Production Weekly, which first flagged by TV spoilers, Paramount Plus is set to start up production on a second season of Strange New Worlds in February of 2022 in Toronto, Canada. This has not been officially confirmed by Paramount Plus or anyone associated with the show. However, Production Weekly has a good track record for these kinds of things. Traditionally, Paramount Plus does not announce season pickups until the streaming, <laughs> until the latest season of the show is already streaming or until a production is about to start or has already started. Star Trek Strange New Worlds will begin streaming in 2022. While no release date has been set yet, it could likely follow season two of Picard, which kicks off in February. So May 2022 is a reasonable guess. The 10-episode first season went into production in February of 2021, wrapping up primary production right on schedule in late July. Pickup shots were done and complete filming in September and early October. For now, news on season two is considered unofficial. However, it is reasonable to assume Paramount Plus would want more of the show. Viacom CBS recently extended executive producer Alex Kurtzman's contract for five years, indicating a desire for more Star Trek Universe content for the streaming platform for years to come. Strange New Worlds was originally ordered as a series following a fan campaign asking for more of the Enterprise, Pike, Spock, and number one after they were introduced in the second season of Star Trek Discovery. And that, my friends, wraps up our Star Trek news. So now we're going to take this quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Star Trek Prodigy. So run in the microwave, get those chicken wings, get those pizza bites, go to the bathroom, come right back, and don't touch that dial. We're going to talk about Star Trek Prodigy. Hi, this is Jamie from Chep Talking, here to invite you to join us for the best sci-fi themed podcast. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and sci-fi themed content. Call 646-668-2433 Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Coast Time. We can't wait to hear from you. Live long and prosper. And we're back. We're talking about Star Trek Prodigy. So get ready, get dialing, and give us a call. We absolutely love to hear from you. So Star Trek Prodigy premiered last week, Thursday night, with a two-part pilot called Lost and Found, Episode 1 and 2. Um, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it myself. And I do have a – yes, I do. I have a soundbite to play for you guys. And um, – uh, this is the, um, yeah, this is called Meet Holloway Janeway. I'm Catherine Janeway, your training advisor. I'm a hologram based on one of the most decorated captains in Starfleet history, programmed to assist the Protostar's crew on their journey back to Federation space. Ugh, she's hideous. Why is her forehead so smooth? Ugh. You're no summer peach either, Telluride. Ha 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 ha! likes her! What's this, Fredder? Federation? What Starfleet crew doesn't know the Federation? Where's your captain? Right here. I am the captain. And I order you to return us to Carlton. Forgive her. She's delirious. Her brain's sick with space flu. I'm in command of this ship. Uh-huh. 
Quite a vote of confidence. I'm only here to offer advice and maintain the Protostar's lower level functions. Everything else is up to your crew. But I believe there is something you aren't being truthful about. Uh. <laughs> so, Star Trek Prodigy. Um, who wants to start? How about Charles? You want to start us off with Prodigy, Charles? Wow, okay. Prodigy, Prodigy pins us down on a mining planet. <clears throat> and our main central character is Dao, a male that we don't know a lot about. Even on the planet, they say his species is unknown. And even from our own clues, we don't know exactly who he is, what he is. And definitely, I kind of wonder if that might be a little bit of this first season's mystery. Between that and the ready room, definitely two mysteries. I think it's going to be Dow and it's going to be the ship. But as an introduction, I think one of our hosts would like to see it. Let me go down the list and give you an idea of some of the characters we're running into. We got Brett Gray, who is playing Dow, a 17-year-old maverick of unknown species with lots of hope. Elena Perel is Gwen. A 17-year-old Bakonak who dreams of exploring the stars when growing up on her father's bleak mining planet. Jason Mazuka. There you go. Is Jacob Pog, a 16-year-old Tellerite who always plays devil's advocate. Definitely likes to argue, but I think that adds to his character because he likes to do that. Agnes Murray is Zero, a non-comporal, genderless, energy-based life form who wears a containment suit to stop others from going mad at the sight of them. And this specific one goes all the way back to TOS. As we meet, when we meet the first, uh, uh, one of the earliest versions of that of a, of zero species. Riley, Alawakwe, as Row. Rocktock. 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 A shy eight-year-old. By Burkhar, who loves yeah. animals. <laughs> so and since I know Eric loves names, I'll let him continue. <laughs> There's some great ones. Um, we meet yeah. uh, D. Bradley Baker, uh, who plays the character Murph. Uh, he's this little blue goo, an indestructible blob with good timing and an appetite for ship parts. 
Um, we have Jimmy Simpson, who plays uh, one of the main bad guys, Dreadnought, the Diviner's deadly robotic enforcer. Uh, he described Dreadnought as a more verbose version of the character Maximilian from which movie, Jim? The Black Hole, one of my favorites. That's right. We've also got John Noble playing the Diviner, Gwyn's father, and a ruthless tyrant who controls the asteroid uh, of Tarlamora, which is their prison colony there. Um, this character and Noble's performance were inspired, apparently, by Ricardo Montalban, Star Trek villain Kaninian Singh, which is very cool. And Kate Mulgrew plays herself, of course, uh, awesome as she is. So that's our character list. Um, Charles, did you have anything more you wanted to say about the show in general here? Definitely, I like the direction it's going in. We definitely had some fun. Everybody, for the most part, not to be able to communicate with each other because they banned, they did, did not allow universal translators. So only those that could speak common were were we able to understand. But I love the scene where it was uh, Rock Talk came in and saw this emblem and touched it, and all of a sudden the shirk of the ship turned on, and Universal Translator comes up. <laughs> and it's like, oh, man, okay, now these different beings can talk to each other. We get common in there. And we start meeting all the different characters. And I love the direction it's going. I could definitely see it. Definitely the focus on kids. Yet it's not focused on saying, okay, we got to make a kiddie show. No, it's a kid's show, but it's still strong enough that the adult can enjoy it as well. Now, I know there's been discussion, including Nate, of a little bit of Star Wars-y action going in there. But Star Wars has also been very successful in their action movies and comics, cartoon series. And I think it's a great way of getting kids and young adults' attention and keeping the attention span going. And I think that's something this show is definitely doing, is it's able to keep people interested in sitting around for half an hour watching the whole series or spending a whole hour to watch the opener. Charles, what would you give it on a score of 1 to 10? I'd be curious about the input from Eric's daughter. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to give the opener of an 8.5. It's got room to move. It's got a good star. So, all right, I'll jump in here. I really, I like the music. I love the opening theme, especially at the end when they touch on the Star Trek notes. It's just perfect. I really enjoyed it. I watched it a couple of times, Jamie and I, and um, I, I think that, that Dreadlock really felt to me like General Grievous. He had that Star Wars vibe. Yeah. Um, he, he felt like General Grievous from the Clone Wars. And I don't know if that was intentional or accidental. I'm not really sure. 
But when he unfolded his arms and he was standing there on the on the spider legs, I'm like, um, wow, this is General Grievous from the Clone Wars. And, hey, you know, it is what it is. Um, and the little spider robot things that were running around chasing them also were very reminiscent of the spider droids from the Clone Wars. Made me immediately think Star Wars, the Clone Wars. Um, but that's where that's where it ended for me um, as far as the Star Wars references. I've heard a lot of people online say that it's just a lot of action in Star Wars and there's, there's no Star Trek in it, but that couldn't be any further from the truth. Just because there's action in Star Trek, that doesn't make it Star Wars. Star Trek is always based on the Idic, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. This show has that. It's, it's based on acceptance and that's what this show has. And so you know, these these uh, kids coming together that don't speak the language until the communicator is found and having to work together as a crew to get off this planet, what more Star Trek do you want than that? You know, people that are different working together for a common goal. That is Star Trek. So um, that's where the Star Wars references ended for me and the Star Trek came in. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I love the animation. I love the music. And I just, the colors were bright and vibrant. The characters were very interesting. My favorite character is Zero. I'm, <laughs> I just love the fact that we have a Medusa now that we can, we can learn from. And I found it interesting that they were forcing the Medusa to read people's minds and do evil, bad things. And that's why the Medusa wanted to escape. I also like the Tellarite. I think he's great. Rock Talk is an interesting character as well. I really like um, Gwen with the sword that kind of morphs out of her arm. So I, I'm really enjoying the episodes so far. I really like the characters. I like the animation and I like the direction they're going in. So um, I think I'm going to give it a nine. How about you, Eric? Yeah, I obviously was very excited about Prodigy. Um I have a 12-year-old at home, and so I was kind of curious how she uh, would react to it. Um, and I will tell you that uh, I guess at 12, kids are a little more smarmy. She's a bigger fan of Lower Decks than she is Prodigy. But I think for your probably 6 to 10, 11-year-old, depending on your kid's development level, this show is going to be fantastic. Yes, it does have um, very Star Wars the action at the beginning, but I do not think that the show feels like Star Wars necessarily. I mean, it, it's got a little bit of feel, but eventually when they find the protostar, the ship that they find, it is absolutely for sure all Star Trek from there on. Uh, and I think even before that, as Jim was mentioning, you know, some of the themes that are set up are very Star Trek-y themes. So I really like that. Um, I think the dialogue overall was fun and kind of jokey and it wasn't, you know, even though it's kind of based on the concept of there being this prison planet that kids are brought to, which is a pretty scary concept. Uh, it felt like the dialogue and everything wasn't too scary for kids. You know, there's a little bit of menacing looks. And as you said, the robot kind of reminds you pretty strongly of general grievous. So if the kids are kind of freaked out by robotic echoey voices, um, you know, that could be a little bit scary, but Generally speaking, I just thought it was a really great show for all the reasons you guys have already brought up. Um, you know, uh, Nate was bringing up, I'm not sure, do we, we probably still have Nate on the line, right? I'll let Nate talk for yep, himself, Nate's, I guess. Yeah, yeah, Nate will be there. 
But um, I'm waiting my we, turn. Yeah, we had an online we had an online conversation there about slavery. I'll let you touch on that with the with the colony here. But I will say that until Janeway said something, I had no idea that uh, the one dude was a Tellerite. And I'm kind – I think he's got a story there, right? Because Teller Prime is in the Alpha Quadrant, and they're in the Delta Quadrant. And so for some reason, this dude is pretty far from uh, home. Uh, so I will be curious to see how that kind of unfolds over the course of the season. Uh, but I really like this show, um, you know – I think for me personally, I will watch every single episode. This is a very sweet show. It's not the one that like really resonates with me simply because of the audience that it's made for, but I absolutely am excited about seeing every episode. So good job, uh, and I'm ready for some more. So yeah, I did want to point. I yeah, wanted to point out something before before we jump into Nate, and we also got to hear from David too. Um, there was that scene at the very beginning where we see a Kazon bringing a Cajun child to Gwyn. And yeah. we know that, um, that the caretaker was dumping aliens in Kazon's space. Um, so it's entirely possible that these, that, that these, these uh, children are being captured by the Kazon and brought there because mm-hmm. I don't think they put that Kazon in there just as a whim. I mean, there had to be a reason why they specifically had that be a Kazon that was bringing the, 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 the workers to the mine. So I'm thinking maybe that's how the, the, we see a Tellerite and, and all these different characters because the caretakers dumping them there, the Kazon are capturing them. Just, just a guess, but I think a logical one. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I could see, I could see something like that. I mean, I think, uh, you know, as I, I well, I'll leave it for Nate, and uh, you can cover what you want to cover, Nate. And then if if I feel like I need to say more on the kind of slavery topic, I will. But but it is an interesting um, paradigm to start with uh, at the beginning of Prodigy, don't you think, Nate? Well, yeah. Well, like I had mentioned in my uh, private conversation with you guys, other than the Orion slave girls, slavery in Star Trek does is not fresh in my mind like it is with Star Wars. Uh, so that, that I was like, okay, he, the Kazon is bringing in this, this slave girl, and obviously then this isn't exactly a prison like Urapente, because uh, uh, that is, okay, they were sentenced to go there. This place is then, okay, all, are all these people then slaves that are doing this work here? And I was just caught off by that going, okay, slavery isn't big in the Star Trek universe as far as I recalled. So um, that, was, um, go, that was one of my questions of the episode um, that I was just like, hmm, is this really, is this really the right place for this? So um, are we ready for me to go through the rest of my issues or, and positives? Mm-hmm. Or, Okay, so my positives, as I mentioned to you guys, but the listeners, uh, for the listeners out there, my positives are the music was great. It reminded me a lot of 2009 Star Trek's theme, and that's one of the things I really love about that movie is the the theme song. Um, the, uh, The art, to me, looks more like Fortnite, the Wildstar MMO, for those that may have played that MMO, 
or Overwatch. Uh, but I do feel that it is uh, the the quality of that am- animation is really good. Uh, for my negatives about uh, the show, uh, you can't tell me that that's a Tellarite. He looks nothing like a Tellarite. I would have <laughs> thought that he would have been any other alien species out there. You are in the quadrant uh, that nobody knows a lot about and hasn't really been expanded upon other than in Voyager. So you could have had any other uh, him be any other species. Um, so I, I'll never be convinced that he's a Tellarite. Um, and then I've just, I've already discussed my issues with the, uh, the slavery issue now on the, it looking like star Wars. I, yes, we know what, he turned it up with uh, he's a robot that has all these general grievous feels, but I, their relationship between the two main villains, I got a emperor and Vader um, feeling from the two of them more so than general grievous uh, right from the start. I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. This is his boss. That's the, that's the emperor. And he was uh, death lock or whatever his name was, was, was more Vader ish to me until he did his little grievous stuff. But uh, still, that, that's more the, the feel I got with those two villains was, was Emperor and Vader relationship. If you guys can point out uh, for our listeners where uh, slavery may have been in the Star Trek universe, uh, that'd be great. Yeah, one that I thought of, uh, and I don't, this is definitely not a comprehensive list at all, but the one that I thought of, which actually I think brings uh, some irony to this episode, is I'm pretty sure, if I remember back at the beginning of Voyager, we learned that the, you know, the reason that the Kazon are all split up into their own tribes and kind of out there being pirates all the time was that once upon a time, their people were actually subjugated. Uh, and they, their planet was like taken over and um, basically they themselves were slaves to the trade. Uh, and then eventually they kind of rose up and, um, and, you know, defeated their, their overlords. So the fact that they bring this Kazon in here to deliver a Cation child into slavery is kind of ironic given the, the history of the Kazon here and their own, um, you know, journey out of slavery. So that was the one that I, that I could think of. I think Charles might know, might have one too. I'm not sure. Well, I was yeah. thinking about well, the, ep- the episode um, on enterprise where they go to the Orions and the Orions are, are selling to Paul and all the, sure. the, the crew of the enterprise into slavery Yep. on enterprise. But, yeah. um, but the big, yeah. the big thing to remember well, here think- is that, Go ahead, Charles. The one I came up with, I put in our little chat. <clears throat> Let's go there. I am tossed. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a slave. He was a hunted slave. Yep. And that was part of the DFI. hunt. Yep. And he didn't even have a name. He was just a species. Just one right off the bat that comes to mind. I'm sure there's been quite a few through series that they have get different slave groups. But the biggest thing to remember, though, is that we're in the Delta Quadrant, and the Federation doesn't exist there. Um, exactly. So 
There you oh, yeah. yeah. Our, I, I agree with they, that, but I, I, I just thought it was weird other than Orion Slave Girls. And um, so I'm glad you guys were able to point out some uh, some instances there that I, 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 I never even realized them or remembered them. Uh, as far as uh, a rating goes, I, I think I'd give this one an 8 out of 10. Excellent. 8 out of 10. David, you get to bring up the caboose on the Prodigy. What do you think? Um, well, uh, well, a little bit of a spoiler from a Star Wars, uh, reference is, uh, hello there. (laughs) (laughs) Quote. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, so yeah, uh, you guys were talking about slavery and I was thinking the Bajorans were actually enslaved for a while before Federations came by and unclaimed what the Kardashians were doing to Bajor, right? Yeah, good point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's another slavery kind of incident that was happening mm-hmm. in the Alpha Quadrant, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, as far as Prodigy go, um, when you guys were talking about Grievous and Darth Vader and everything, I it just completely slipped my mind. I did not think of anything of those characters at all okay. when I was watching the Prodigy. Prodigy and, uh, yeah, I was just like, oh, okay, a weird-looking villain. And I thought it was a little cartoony, but, you know, it was uh, really good graphics, and I actually enjoyed it. And um, uh, I wanted to mention something that when you were playing the clip of Prodigy, were you playing Episode 1 or Episode 2? Technically, that's Episode 2. Are we talking about episode two or episode one? No, no, episode one. Okay. It's kind well, of, we're episode episode episodes minute. one and two. Right, one and two, right. Which he means three. Okay. That's that, Well, yeah, he actually means three. <laughs> right. Okay, yeah, sorry. Oh, I just thought that uh, one and two were just one episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah, I was just like, hey, that came from today's episode. <laughs> Okay, anyways, um, but yeah, um, overall, I thought it was pretty good um, for the first episode, right? Okay, um, <laughs> let's see, anything to add? I think you guys pretty much covered it. I mean, I would actually, I, the thing that made me laugh the most was when the entire episode, they were all speaking in different languages, right? And all of a sudden, when they got to the communicator, the universal translator, uh, the big rock person. I, yeah. Yeah, I completely <laughs> forgot that was played by by a little girl. And when she spoke for the first time, I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was completely different by surprise, and I forgot about it. And I was just like, "Oh yeah, okay, now I remember." <laughs> but uh, yeah, that uh, I think you guys pretty much covered everything. I can't really think of anything at the moment. I got tons of stuff for episode three, though. <laughs> so what did you? What would you give it on a scale of one to ten, Dave? Um, well, there's one thing I did want to add. When you mentioned all the caretakers bringing those uh, baby uh, kids over, I was, I kept thinking, why isn't there trouble? Come on. <laughs> You're obsessed with well, there, people, David. <laughs> there, there, there could be. We we might see one or two or a hundred. Okay, cool. <laughs> Because <laughs> if you see one, um, you see a hundred. Yep, that's right. <laughs> so I give it probably, oh, uh, no, for sure I'm going to give this a, 
I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. It did some pretty good stuff in there. Yeah. All right. That's cool. Eric, now that we've heard our our scores, what did our Facebook fans have to say about it? Well, Joel Wright said, it's more difficult to judge than the others because it's aimed at kids, but I'd say 10 for what it's going for. I enjoyed it. Uh, top fan Zesty Zoe said a solid eight. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Very excited to see what's in next week's episode. Patricia Alex Via gave it a 9.5. James Maestrel gave it a 10 exclamation point. Loved it exclamation point. Uh, James Frey said a nine. Top fan Daniel Davis said 9.99. <laughs> and Tom Witt topped that with a 9. 76884. So that's uh, very precise there, all the way down to the 10,000th place. Thank you very much. Uh, Mark Shanbeck gave it a 9. Peg Ivy gave it a 10. Loved it. And Lisa Strange said a 9. So that, that gives us a fan score, Jim, of uh, 9.4. That's pretty solid. That, that, is, that is very, very solid. Wow. Huh. So there you have it. You heard from us and you heard from our fans. So, guys, believe it or not, you know what time it is? No. More triple? <laughs> it's I time guess for the triple. we have to go. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I, I can't believe how quick time flies. You know? The problem is it's too much fun, Jim. When it's this much fun, it just goes by in no time at all. And every week we're like, oh, man, we're, we, you know, we probably could talk for three hours if we weren't careful. Yeah, and and um, so before we go, though, I just got to say thank you so much for Dan Reynolds, writer, producer, director from the Federation Files Doppelganger. It was great to have him on and uh, talk to him about his fan film, and we're definitely going to have to have Dan back again. And by the way, Dan sent me a message when we were talking, and uh, who was it? Was it uh, Dave that asked him? A question about the emblem on the captain's jacket? Yes. Yes. Yeah. The symbol? Okay, so he just texted me back, and he said, the symbol on the jacket sleeve the caller called about was originally in the cost. It was included in the beading decorations that was on the jacket. So that just yep. was was just part of the jacket. It was just there. Cool. <laughs> so, Very cool. Yeah, it was just, just beaded into the jacket. It was just there. So, good catch, but it, it wasn't mm-hmm. put there intentionally. It was just the beadwork on the jacket. So, there you have it. <laughs> there we go. So, we want to say thank you to Dan, and we definitely got to say thank you to Dave for, for calling in and chatting with us tonight. Thank you so much, Dave. Hey, uh, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and we also got to say thank you to Nate for letting us know about the Star Trek online gaming and for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Nate. Yeah, you're very welcome. And, of course, thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and truck talking with us as well. Great time as always. Thanks, gents. And, of course, thank you to Charles, my right-hand man, for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you so much, Charles. Oh, great time to be involved with Trek and sci-fi. Yeah, we got so much to talk about. It's, it's it's gonna the next two weeks is gonna be difficult because we're gonna to have to squeeze in Prodigy and Discovery. So we're probably gonna to have to cut back on our Star Trek news to fit everything in there. But I think we can make it happen. Definitely. 
And as I said, guys, I want to let you know that two short weeks from now, Star Trek Discovery Season 4 will premiere. We'll be talking about it live right here on the show, as well as Prodigy, so stay tuned for that. Make sure you head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. Give us a like, give us a follow. We really appreciate it. We're closing in on 72,000 likes, so let's see if we can make it there. And we can't do it without you, so we appreciate that. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you listening, no matter where or when you're listening to. We really appreciate it. We couldn't do the show without you guys. And once again, I want to say congratulations to Jared Brown, who called in on our special Halloween show and won a DVD copy of Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Congratulations to Jared, and thank you for listening. And I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying thank you so much, kapla, and live long and prosper to each and every one of you guys, particularly that dude in Australia. You know who I'm talking about. Thank you so, (laughs) so much. (laughs) So I just want to say to everybody, please stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Bye, all. Bye, all. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.